That is a beautiful song. But the reality, reality, the reality of it all is that it's uh, a message that says that the Lord's coming back. Right. And we're at that point in our lives in all of human history in that we're waiting for that trumpet. We're waiting, waiting for that cry that says, come on up hither. And I trust and pray that you are preparing yourselves for that day. Quick challenge here tonight, a brief challenge, or at least a Baptist challenge. <laughs> interpret that any way you want to interpret it, but uh, as it goes. Just a simple one, the light of the world. The light of the world. The world is in deep trouble. The darkness is pervasive. So much of the people in the world today have lost their way. Even as Isaiah said, and even in his day, but we witness it with our own eyes today that the world has lost its way. And the world needs the light. And so while most of the world, if they are paying attention, mostly religious people, if we can use that analogy, or people of faith recognize this season as the time when a special event transpired in Bethlehem. The Son of God humbled himself and took on the form of a man. And so Christmas seems to be about several things here tonight. First of all, the giving of gifts one to another. And I think most of our young people, kids, little kids, that's what they really look for. But secondly, God giving us the gift of his son. That which he had promised as early as Genesis 3.15. And I think thirdly tonight, one of the gifts at Christmas was the bringing of light into a very, very dark world. If you have done any historical reading on what the Middle East looked like back when Christ was born, and as the disciples finished the ministry or continued the ministry after Christ was uh, ascended to heaven, then you know that it was a very vicious time, a very bloody time. It was a very mean and a very nasty world beyond human comprehension. We're not so far away from that even today in areas around the world. But Jesus stated that he was the light of the world or the means by which man could see the truth of his sinful condition. Perhaps you think to yourself that you don't need this light. If so, then you would be like this old timer speaking to a young man. And the conversation went like this. The old timer, the farmer, watched this young man light a candle and he put the candle in a lantern. And he asked the young man, he said, where are you going? He said, well, I'm going to go courting a young lady down the road. And the old timer, the farmer, looked at him and said, well, my day, we didn't need a candle. The young man looked at him and said, yeah, and look what you got. The darkness hides a lot. Does it not? And so the message which needs to be included in this historical event is the message of light. As John wrote in his gospel in John chapter 3 and verse 19. And this is the condemnation. That light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Man needed to have some light. Man needed to see what he was really like. 
I mean, that's why a lot of people don't go to church anymore. That's why a lot of people don't read their Bibles anymore. That's why a lot of people don't fellowship with Christians. They don't want to see who they really are. It's easier to put on this false facade and pretend that we are somebody other than what we would find ourselves convicted about if we were in the scriptures or if we were in fellowship with uh, other believers. And so John said this is a condemnation. So for the first time man was going to be able to see the difference between the darkness of their soul and what light can do and what light can bring. You know, it's easy to look at a child in a manger and wonder to ourselves, what can a baby do that would make a difference in a fallen world? Babies need a lot of care, don't they? Anybody who's been a parent, you know that babies are a lot of work. (laughs) They require a lot of care. And some of that care, I'm glad that women do gladly. Changing diapers was not one of my fun things with kids. But they need a lot of care. Sometimes that care comes at 2 o'clock in the morning, maybe 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning. We have to kind of scrounge around in the dark. You're looking for that pacifier. They kind of put them back to sleep again so you can go back to bed and you can go to sleep. But wondering, what can possibly a baby bring into this world? Well, there is nothing, nothing that they can do for themselves in the beginning. But we move forward and this baby is now a man. And Jesus himself stated later in his life that he was the light. John 8, 12 says, There then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The idea here in the analogy of light is the ability to clearly see right from wrong. Truth from deception. Righteousness from unrighteousness. The idea of true knowledge from the, de- from the deceptive lies of Satan and a world that lies in darkness. That's why our churches are not full and overflowing. People don't want to see this. They're happy, at least they think they're happy, living a life that is contrary to that which Christ would have us to live, especially when we are the redeemed of the Lord. The reality is this tonight. God has revealed through Jesus his plan to redeem sinners and what will happen to all who reject God's plan for redemption through his son. God has inspired or God breathed upon the men of scripture. What he wanted them to write and every day when we read our Bibles, more light is given. More understanding is imparted to us. Otherwise we regress. This is not a day to be ignorant of God's plan or God's purposes. Another reality is, albeit sadly, that if you or I are not reading and searching in the scriptures daily, then uh, possess, we possess very little light, if any at all. And it's amazing how, how much we forget, how much we forget very quickly. God sent his son to be the light, that our eyes may be open to God's magnificent truths. And yes, even revealing things about ourselves that we may not like. Again, that's why a lot of people don't want to go to church. That's why a lot of people don't want to read the Bible. Because we see ourselves from God's perspective. And sometimes that's not very pretty. Sometimes it can be downright ugly. And yet in all of this, 
We somehow think that it makes us happier because we don't see ourselves as God sees us. And so, revealing things about ourselves that we may not like, but at least we would know what we need to change in order to please God. And really that's our purpose in this life, is not only to come to the light. Once we have come to the light, is to live a life that pleases God. Not ourselves, but one that pleases God. And I believe with all my heart tonight that when we live a life that pleases God, we're going to be pleased with the outcome of that life lived for God. One of the greatest joys of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was that he, that he could at least state in, in John chapter 8 verse 29 in the last part of that verse where he says, I do always those things that please the Father. And I wonder how many of us can come to the end of the day and say, I walked throughout this day and everything I did pleased the Father. Oh, we come to year's end or we come to the Christmas season, can we say with the Lord, I do always that which pleases the Father. How much of me gets in the way? How much of I is a problem? More concerned about pleasing ourselves and fulfilling our wants and our desires. Spending little to, not, little, little to no time at all trying to please God. And we can please God. So when we choose to set the word of God aside... We lose the greatest opportunity as believers today to live in the light of truth. If you're not in the word of God, you can't know what truth is. And you can't experience the light of that truth. That will free us from the consequences of sin. And so, ignorance is not an excuse. Ignorance is a choice. We choose not to read our Bible, or we choose to read our Bibles. We choose to go to church and fellowship and magnify and lift up and, and magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. These are choices, though, choices that we make. Choices that we're going to have to live with. Choices we're going to have to answer for in eternity. Make the right choice because you've been guided and directed by the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God. And the accounting will not be a dreadful one. So, it's a light that will keep us safely on the right path that pleases God. Because this is a compass. This book is a compass. It's a book that guides and directs us. It sets up the parameters. It sets up the guideposts, if you will. So that we can stay on that, that narrow road rather than the broad and the wide road that goes to destruction. You see, the world is no longer slipping into darkness. It's falling headlong with haste into the terrible abyss of sin. And it's taken so many people with them along the way. In the abyss of sin where immorality is all too common. Even like it was when God first judged the world with the flood in Genesis chapter 6. God has done his part. He has done his part concerning his plan for the ages. He sent forth light into the world via his son. Also via his infallibly preserved word. And also through the redeemed of the Lord. God doesn't just want good people. Nice people. Good people are a dime a dozen. Amen? Mm -hmm. Even the unsaved would tell you that they're a good person. I had mentioned this morning about Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci said he's a good person. I don't need to go to church because I'm a good person. Well, in his eyes, yes. How about the eyes of God? Are we a good person in the eyes of God tonight? And so, 
God wants for us to be a light as well in this dark world. Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, he says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. And then he says, let your light so shine before men. That they may see your good works. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. The works that glorify God are the works that he accomplishes in and through our lives. And that's what God wants men to see. That there is something supernatural, there is something super divine in our lives that's at work. Not just the old humdrum, natural humanity of individuals, but rather that supernatural divine work of God. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God at work in our lives that others may see that. And recognize it, not as something that how man would choose to live their lives, but man would choose it because it is the right choice. Inspired by God. So tonight as we close, first God sent his light into the world by his son. Secondly, God gives light through his word. Thirdly, God wants us to be lights concerning the work that he is doing in us. So that he will be glorified and sinners will be drawn to him through us. Making decisions when we are in the dark is foolishness, isn't that true? Mm-hmm. Now, I think I know where everything is in the house. I still like a nightlight at nighttime. Because we have no idea where my dog's going to be. <laughs> Sam, I, I don't know, sometimes he's in the hallway. Sometimes he's at the foot of the bed. Sometimes he's in the bathroom. You never know where he's going to be. And so we have nightlights to make sure that we don't go tripping over him. And falling over him. Uh, many years ago when I was a teenager and uh, was up in the, the Poconos Mountains, we went to a youth camp up there with Percy Crawford's camp. It was a Christian camp. And one of the requirements that they had was that you had to bring a flashlight. Because the, the cabin that we sit in didn't have bathrooms, you would have to go to the bathroom uh, in the house, uh, the, the uh, bathhouse down here if you would. And that's where you go. And they said, uh, there's roots all over the place and there's rocks in the pathway. And then it said there's these little fuzzy things with white stripes down their backs. And you might want to see them before they see you. And so they're saying it would be foolish to go out there and to walk in the darkness because of the dangers that exist there. Yeah. Let me tell you something. When people choose to walk in darkness, they're putting themselves in harm's way. And oftentimes we don't realize that until it's too late. Then all of a sudden our lives have fallen apart. And we wonder where it went wrong went wrong with the choice to walk in darkness rather than to walk in light. So making decisions when we are in the dark is foolishness and oftentimes regrettable. Life's worst decisions are always made when in darkness, in ignorance. And for the child of God, it it just doesn't have to be that way because the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And we get those orders through the scriptures. And we can walk the straight and the narrow. And know the joy of the Lord. The beauty and the wonder of living and walking by faith. In the person of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So walking in the light as he is in the light. That's the life of a Christian. Salvation first. Then living in his word. Accordingly. Because we are going to stand before him someday and give an account.
and batting eyelashes is not going to count. Lord, I really meant to. Not going to happen. Not going to count. We were all going to stand before him someday. And we're all going to have this first thought. I could have and I should have done more. But I didn't. This world's going to pass away. Everything in this world's going to pass away. And eternity looms beyond that. Where will you spend eternity? Christ came so that you could make a choice. A decision. Spend it with him. Or spend it with Satan in a place called hell. That's the two choices we have. There's nothing in between. 